0: The people disobeyed God. They worked the land. Every seventh year, they were supposed to let the land rest. It was a Sabbath, not only for the people, but also for the land. But they didn't let the land rest because our inherent nature is greed (laughs) to take. The Lord uh, gave the word far before, long before, rather, the people were held in bondage. Even on the deathbed of Joseph, he even told them, you won't live here. God's going to bring you into the land that was promised. I'm going to just take short paths and come back to the main road. When the people grew, a new pharaoh came into power. And he was afraid because of the growth of the Israelites. And he didn't know Joseph, didn't know the deeds of Joseph. He didn't know that it was Joseph that made Egypt... Um, at one point, the capital of the known world with food and distribution, and as the people grew, um, something motivated Pharaoh to slaughter them. Any time there's advancement with the people of God, there is an attack from another force, whatever that may be, and those attacks are are common. We're, we only know a portion of them. After all of those years, some 430 years and then beyond, it came to a point where this group of people, some maybe 300, I'm sorry, 3 million people, were so oppressed that the Lord raised up a deliverer Moses has three segments of his life. Forty years, he's the prince of Egypt. The next 40 years, he's, he's in the backside of a, of a wilderness place as a married man learning how to serve under his father-in-law who turns out to be a wise man, a gracious man. And the next 40 years of his life, which is the last 40 years, he leads the people of God. They were supposed to go to Canaan, but... He led them, and it could, it could have been that they passed by the same entrance several times. When Moses found the people of God, he knew the protocols, obviously, historically we know, not biblically, but historically we know, how to approach a pharaoh. And when he did so, he went with Aaron. He was equipped with a single rod rod. But with the power of God, he did a demonstration in front of the king, the pharaoh. But the demonstration was not enough. Thus launched ten plagues against Egypt and the people of Egypt, their livestock and their livelihood. And at the end of that tenth plague Egypt was so ready for the children of Israel to get out of town, they gave them all of their wealth that they could and loaded down on carts pulled by oxen or some animal or maybe they pulled them themselves. They will pass through the Red Sea, which is the mark. It is the line. It is the pivotal point in, in all of the history of the Israelite people is the Red Sea. The Red Sea is the big, the big moment. It's the Red Sea. All of the writers will refer back to the Red Sea. They will sing of it. They will recite it. The Psalms have it over and over again. A repetition of the history of Israel is never absent of the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea Has all kinds of implications. Even in the gospel message. Just as Moses went through the Red Sea. Baptism is for us. Because water covered Egypt. And at that time Egypt was symbolic of sin. It's it's layered through all of the New Testament and early church doctrines. The Red Sea. From the Passover night. Which was the next day was the Red Sea. From the Passover night. They will journey 50 days and find themselves on the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up to the mountain. He does not go alone. He goes with Joshua, but Joshua only goes halfway up. Joshua was the consummate servant of Moses. Young still, not knowing what to do. But he did not want to leave Moses' side. He went up as far as he could, as far as he was allowed. There's a side little road there you can feel it because even when they were in the tent, not the tabernacle of Moses, in the tent. When the Spirit of the Lord left and Moses walked away, Joshua stayed in the tent just wanting to be in the residue as long as he could. And what saved Joshua is not that he saw the face of God, because he did not. Nor did he hear the voice of God, because he did not. What saved him is that he could not be in two places at one time. He was halfway up the side of the mountain, while some of them were worshiping a golden calf at the foot of that mountain. And when, when Moses went up to the mountain, God did not write or create the Ten Commandments out of thin air. Because what you read of the Ten Commandments had already been in place. God just codified them. He he formalized this version. I want to go through this with you. It's not in your handout, but I want to go through this with you real quickly. I will. The first and second commandment about gods, and, and, and perhaps I'll just read it to you the Ten Commandments Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. The first two, we find that they were already in place when Jacob is leaving his, fa- his father in law's house, Laban, and Rachel takes the family gods, and she carries them out of the house. This was long before Moses came around. This was a long time before Moses, hundreds of years before Moses was born. And those gods were false gods. In fact, when Jacob found them, he buried those gods underneath a tree because he knew and they all knew it was a sinful practice. So before God ever said, To Moses, wrote it down, thou shalt have no other gods and no graven images. This was, this commandment, this law was already in place. It just hadn't been written that we know of. The third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Well, Job chapter 1 verse 5 describes that, that it was sinful and Job was much earlier. In fact, not only Job lived earlier, but the book of Job is the first book, the oldest book written in the Bible. And taking the Lord's name in vain, before Moses ever saw that written, and before he chiseled it out himself, they knew not to do that. Here's, here's 10 Commandment number 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Embedded in the actual commandment is, is the idea that the Sabbath was to be kept holy and it existed. In fact, that particular scripture is, was written in Exodus 20 and verse 8. But in Exodus 16, four chapters earlier, there was already a commandment about the Sabbath. And that it was a distinct day. Commandment number five, honor thy father and mother. Jacob and Esau, Genesis chapter 28, long before Moses. There was an honoring of father and mother. It was was part of the culture of the Jewish people. Commandment number six, thou shalt not murder. Well, this was in the opening scenes, in the first first three chapters of the book of Genesis, that murder to kill um, his brother, Cain killed his brother, and, and this was already put in place, that this was against God, a sin against God. Number seven was adultery, Genesis 39 and verses 7 through, through 9. Well, we know of this because, because Joseph called adultery a sin. How can I commit this sin? He said this to Potiphar's wife, I cannot commit this sin before God. Long before Moses ever found the Ten Commandments. Long before. Uh, uh, Ten Commandment number nine, false witnesses. It was a lie. That was found in Genesis chapter four, verse nine. When Cain lied, he lied. And he gave a false witness. The, The Hebrew scholars has pointed this out a long time ago. And then finally, commandment number 10 was covet. And Eve coveted. This was perhaps one of the first sinful acts that happened in the garden. So, by the time Moses gets to the mountain and God, with His own finger, the hand of God, scratches out, draws out the Ten Commandments on these tablets of stone, He made a formal, uh, a description and document of what had been in existence before this time. <laughs> And of course, Moses was having a wonderful time with God up there for 40 days. He comes down. God says, I, I, I hear something. You better get down there. He went down. He, Moses had a temper issue, had a temper problem. And um, but he lost his temper and he threw the 10 commandments on the ground and they broke into pieces. And of course, after he did... What he needed to do to exercise judgment against those who are offenders. He goes back up to the mountain. But this time God will speak the Ten Commandments. But Moses has to do the work himself. Now there's some lessons in that. But you don't want to know them. Because you know a lot of people want God to do all the work by himself. Even after we're disobedient. (laughs) I know, you already know, right? You know where I'm going. So just carry that on home. And Moses comes back down to the mountain to give the Ten Commandments. Now, time's not going to permit me to do this because our awesome prayer meeting broke out and we can do it again. But if you look at all the structures of the known world and all the laws of the lands, even tribal lands and tribal areas where there's been very few and very little modernization, there are remnants, at least a remnant, and some in full. The base of, and this is a large view, the construct of humanity entails these formatted versions of the Ten Commandments. Even in secular societies that have no religion, no God, the cheating spouse is still scorned, him or her. Because it's a natural innate hurt, whether, whether there's a relation with God or not, that, that there, the commitment has been broken. And stealing in some countries that know, know nothing about Christianity in some of those countries, you you can be dismembered for stealing. Um, in our country, you they wave at you in some places. <laughs> Have a nice day. It seems to be encouraged, and so when it's encouraged, it continues. But in some other countries, and it's still it, it's still irritating to people. You know. Thievery, a thief is irritating. A thief, even if they don't take from you. A thief causes everything to rise. A thief does things. You know, people who um, put in false claims and insurance rates goes up. It affects all of us. You know, the insurance companies are not taking the fall for that. They're passing on the cost to you. So you can cheer when someone gets a, gets a lawsuit. You know, well, that's good for them. Well, you're paying for it. They won the lawsuit and it was against you. You didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So when you, one of our police officers here, when you, when you strip him of his authority, what you do is you encourage. You encourage it. Why is that? Because a lawless land has no has no freedom. Freedom only exists within the boundaries of a law. And when you have no law, there's certain death. If you don't believe me, go to the Audubon and drive on the Audubon, which is a, which is a, a stretch of highway in Germany, and there is, no, there is no speed limit. You can go as fast as you want. However, the statistics say that if you have an accident, most people die. And the reason why is because they're going 200 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour, or, or whatever your pinto can, can reach. Pacer. Chrysler LeBaron. Gremlin. Somebody help me. <laughs> uh-huh. you, you, you remove the law. You remove this. And you have no freedom. If you, if you move the law and the boundaries... Of the word out of your life. It might make you comfortable for the moment. But it will cause you great bondage. That's right. It, it's true. You remove all standards from your life. You don't have freedom. You have bondage. And there is certain death. Amen. We're, we're watching it happen. But When you, when you look at other, other nations. And what's happening to other nations. You can see. How do they derive? How did they come to that moment? How do they have that? Now, there's, there are many violations of the Ten Commandments. Any graven image is a violation of the Ten Commandments. To, 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 to have a graven image, they, they, they were often worshipped. So, this is, a, this is a huge conflict in, in some of the areas in, of religions around the world. So, these Ten Commandments... No other gods. Well, right there, the first Ten Commandments, the first one is, a, is, is detrimental to everyone, especially those who are living in a nation with austerity. That's why many of the great revivals happen in poorer countries or poorer communities. We have gods that don't have a face. But we treat them as they would have treated a god made of wood or stone. We, have, we just don't call them gods, but we worship them. Now, I don't worship, I don't bow down. But you spend your time, your effort, your energy, if something happens to it, you're distraught. You protect it, you love it, you, you adore it, whatever that item may be. And this happens a lot in first world countries. Now I'm not saying... It's not in third world countries, but third world countries, gods are more overt. You can see them. They're there. and graven images. They're there. Why would you have two different commandments? Because no other gods encompass everything that we would spend all of our life and time on. It's as it's, it's small as something you can hold your hand or, or something you, you, you give great credence to. And these commandments... We're not just written for someone else, but they were written for us. They're written for us. Why? Because it's because we, we need to know what God expects of us. These commandments didn't go away just because Jesus died on the cross. He still is a jealous Savior. He still even says, I am I. I, I even I am the Lord. He he still says that. He, he proclaimed himself in Revelation 1 and 8 to be the almighty God. He said, I am the Alpha and Omega. So he, the Lord has no room, there's no room in him for us to worship another God. And this is a conflict because the conflict is that even the first commandment drives home something that, that, that presses against our subjective thought. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. I heard someone say one, one time, the great oxymoron is, is when someone says, no, Lord. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, you, you, you can never say no and Lord in the same sentence because if you say no, then he's not the Lord. If you say Lord, then it's always, it's the same as saying Yes. <laughs> If, if he is Lord, then you, you, you remove everything else. And if he's Lord, then that means there's no other gods. If you say no, then you've got something else. And it couldn't be something that's not just grave image. It could be yourself. In today's world, it could be intellectualism. Well, let me think that through. You don't have to think anything through. If he wrote it in your book, in the book, you don't need to think about it. Because It's written. I don't know if I want to abide by that. Well, no, no, no. That's the Lord. It's the Lord's book. That's a struggle. Amen. So, were the Ten Commandments written for me? Were they written for me? Everybody say yes. Malachi 3 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I'm the Lord. That's why all of the Israelites were not consumed. Because he's the Lord, because the Lord decided. Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He didn't change. James one seventeen every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no here's the big word, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Whoa, this is a consistent Savior. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for, name the things. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Four things. These commandments, they were written for us. They're written for you. Pay attention to the commandments. Remove from your life gods. Remove from your life things that can be Uh, That can draw your attention away from the one God. Here's the second question Am I a commandment keeper or a commandment breaker? I was reading the book of Romans this morning, uh, yesterday morning, rather. I was reading the book of Romans yesterday morning as Paul was speaking to the church at Rome. And he said, if you make the day holy, let it be a holy day. Um, Jesus was resurrected on the the Sunday morning. He was resurrected. And for the Gentile community, the, the, the Gentile people, it became their day of holiness or holy unto the Lord, their Sabbath it was, a, it was a day set apart for praise, worship, prayer, introspective, the reading of whatever they had in their hands, the Torah or the law, the prophets, the Psalms. And that is the keeping of the Sabbath. Now, I'll date myself here. I've dated myself many times, but I'll date myself. And some of you will recognize it. And those of you who are, were, maybe you were born right after 2000 won't know this, but there was a, there was a day in, in America when <clears throat> on Wednesday everything shut down about five or six o'clock because everybody went to Bible study on Wednesday. There were no sporting events on Wednesdays. And on Sundays all the liquor stores were closed. And the gasoline stations might be open, maybe, but, but the, the larger stores were not open and nothing was open on Sundays until probably like 1130 or noon. And I think that was gauged because some of the other denominations didn't last as long. It was the Pentecostal preachers that were long-winded. Had we had shorter sermons, we could have all gotten out at the same time. But no, our Pentecostal forefathers were long-winded preachers. Amen. Let's get back to the good old days. Someone said, "Well, I wish I had the good old." No, you don't want the good old days. No, you don't. You you have no idea what you are talking about. And that's what that's what we had in, in the United States. We had we had it was an honor and respect for certain days because we were a Christian nation. I believe that when President Obama at the time stood up in a pulpit and said, some podium and said, we are no longer a Christian nation, I do not believe he was making a proclamation. He was making an observation. <laughs> some of the Christian community got all angry. and said, well, no. Well, he's proclaiming something. No, he wasn't. He was observing something and he observed the right thing. Yes, he was right. Because we, we were no longer a Christian. We were secular. And by the time... The president got up and said that. Well, there was people who were irate with him. Well, why would you say because he was observing what was real, and the people that didn't want to hear it, they had not fought to make it a Christian nation because they relied upon government officials to do what they were supposed to do. I just want you to know about standards. Let's talk about standards because people fight against all kinds of standards all the time. They fight against it. They fight against continuity and standards. I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you about the standard of the drunk. Let me tell you about the standard of the alcoholic or the functional alcoholic. He's got a standard. In fact, his standard is so great, it's so profound, that he has decided to minimize the company AV and not drink Bud Light so they have lost 27% of their business. Because they're not selling their cans of Bud Light like they used to. So they've lost approximately twenty seven percent of their business because the the A V that used to be owned by Anheuser Busch family was bought out by a company overseas. They put on they they did a social media thing with with a man who said he was a woman, and so people got upset and said, We don't want that. We don't we don't want that shoved in our face. So we're gonna stop drinking Bud Light and and we're gonna gonna boycott Bud Light because we have a standard. We got standards. And there was bartenders and there was there was there was there was there was was owners and, and and drinking establishments owners saying we don't want that anymore because we've got a standard. And those guys are still getting drunk, but I promise you they will not violate their standard. And here we all are here acting like whatever the law of God is or the standard. Well, we don't know if we want to do that. I'm afraid that there's alcoholics in the United States that have stronger standards than there are Christians in the United States. They wouldn't touch that thing. Now, a week before, they had cases of them. But today, they won't drink it. Why? Because you violated something. I don't want to hear that, and I'm going to boycott that. And it's not just them, but there's a huge majority of people that know nothing about God, but they will never step into another target. Oh no, no! And what are we doing over here? We're, we got the law of the Lord, and we're we're trying to negotiate and compromise. i say, well, I don't know if that's what it means, and do we really have to be that committed? And 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 what are we doing? What what what, what are what? What are we doing here? And, and, and people come to church and they're violating everything that they know that's true and what they've been taught and all the things. And, and we, you don't have a standard? What, are you waiting for me to talk about? Get into the book here and look at this book and see. Here's, what I've, here's how I've got to live. I, I've got to live this. Please tell me that I don't have to read to you the Ten Commandments for you to know that you should not commit adultery. Really? This got to be preached? Peter once said, now therefore leaving the first principles of the doctrine, like baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, let's go on to perfection. He was not saying forget all that. He was saying that's the early foundation. Please tell me we don't have to go back to that. We ought to be going on to some deeper revelations of God. But he was dealing with an immature people, not because they didn't know, but because they chose to be immature. Immature. Let it not be so among us, all that are watching and everyone's present. We got to go on to some deep revelations of the Holy Ghost and not go back to that stuff. Surely by now you know why we baptize in the name of Jesus. If I'm preaching baptism in the name of Jesus and you're baptized in the name of Jesus... It's not to convince you of the name of Jesus in baptism. It's because someone, I'm looking at them somewhere, they walked in, I don't see anybody tonight, walked in, so, and they have not been baptized heretofore. <laughs> I've, I've, I've watched this happen in many churches. They go over doctrines over and over and over again. And, and they're talking about the same thing over and over again. There's no depth in the spirit. Why, why is there no depth? Because the people have already had that. They already know that. They already believe that. They already believe that. So they can never go on. They go back to the same thing over and over. Why? Because they don't understand that there's other things in God. So I would just say to you, Here's the visitation of the Lord here in this Wednesday night service that the Lord has given us, and, and, and you've got to be a commandment keeper, not a commandment breaker. And if you break the commandments, it's not because that the church didn't promote the commandments. You have the Bible. There's 1.6 billion people in China. Most of them don't have a Bible. You are without excuse. I wonder how many, how many people in this church could raise their hand right now and say, I have more than five Bibles in my home. Five Bibles. Okay. Is there any people, you know you have at least 20 Bibles in your home. You have at least 20 of those Bibles. I got, we got Bibles. Let, let me tell you. And if you don't have those, you've got a Bible app. At least that's what I've been hoping you're looking at the whole time I've been, I've been teaching here. <laughs> we are without excuse. You have the word of God. I'm going to preach the word of God. You should receive the word of God, but you should also know if I am preaching the word of the Lord. But if you don't read your scripture, you're still responsible for it, even if you don't read it. Uh-oh. That's what I said to them. Sorry, Kyle. But I said early on, I said I was only 19. I said, well, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the speed limit was, officer. And he said, well, it's up to you to know. I, what? Yes, it's up to you to know. I never saw a sign. He said, well, there's an ordinance. This area is all 35 miles an hour, not 55. And then my next excuse was, well, there was nobody on the road. (laughs) I've learned that's not, you don't negotiate. You just don't negotiate. (laughs) If I get pulled over in Louisiana, I just, I just say, Honey, why don't you talk to him a little bit? <laughs> Tell him who your daddy is. <laughs> and this is the problem with us. Feed yourself here. Feed yourself. Take the book and feed yourself. So that when you walk in and you're called to prayer, you have something to pray because you've been reading the word. I don't know what it is. Sometimes when I start to pray, scriptures just pouring out of my mouth. I just start quoting the scriptures as a prayer and I apply them. And sometimes I'll just insert myself in that scripture. And there's nothing like praying the word. Sister, Sister Anita, there's nothing like praying the word. I, I got to pray the word. And oh, the word, the inspired word of God. I'm praying the actual words that God had inspired the writers to write. And I'm living by them. And when I get to a point where I stumble, I know I got to stay in that book. See, you can be a commandment breaker Anytime you want to. And you can be a commandment breaker. Even if. You're not aware of the commandment. Because whether you're aware or you're unaware. You can still break it. You don't get to pass off the excuse to say. Well you know I just didn't know. Go read Acts chapter 17 verse 11. There was a time. God winked at ignorance. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Yes. Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. You, if you read Deuteronomy 5.29, you're going to see something in there. There's an implication which is implied. If you don't keep the commandments things will not be well. Things will not be well. Matthew five nineteen. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so he should be called the least in the kingdom of God. But whosoever shall teach, shall do and teach them. I love that little line. The same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Commandment breakers are motivated by sin, of course, because our sinful nature takes over. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. Commandment keepers are motivated by love. I love the law. But by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not not grievous. We, We keep them. We love God. That's how we know we love him. If you keep my commandments. If you love me. If you keep my commandments, then you'll love me. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and, and, and abide in his love. It's, I, I, I wish I could tell you, I, I don't really wish that, but, but I, for the sake of the, the, the statement, I wish I could tell you there was a gray area. There's no gray area. One, in fact, once God said, I present to you life or death, Choose life. It's like tithing. Tithing is incredible. Tithing. He says at one point, prove me if you return your tithes, I'll pour out windows of heaven. But if you, so when when you're offering your tithe back to God, which is return, it's acknowledgement, your 10% acknowledgement is really saying all of it came from you, God. He pours out blessings. But there's no middle part there. You can prove Him and be blessed, or you're a thief. And a robber. There's no, there's no, there's no middle ground there. It's life or death. This is not, this is not the world we traffic in. We want, we want gray areas. We want sides. We want the middle thing. We want to negotiate. But in God, there is none. It's His law or it's sin. It's life or it's death. It's blessings or it's cursing. Now, not everybody wants that, but it's, but it's heaven or it's hell. Let, let me be straight for you. It's right or it's wrong. It's sin or it's holy. It's 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 purity or it's evil. That's it. And when you start meddling in, in a world that does not exist, then you create a God that does not exist, and you create a religion that does not exist, and then all of a sudden you feel good in that, and it's hard to get people out of the gray. Amen. Well, I know, and I'm not talking about my hair color. I can, I, can, I can come in next week and <clears throat> look like Wayne Newton. But two weeks later, it doesn't matter how, how you color it, the roots always stay the same. So unless you get back to the, the scripture here, then you'll die in that gray. And finally, and I'm, I've left so much out, but Number three, it's, it's a point of introspective look. Do I share them? Now, the first point that I believe that, that Moses wanted to reiterate was that this is a home conversation. This was a home conversation. This was a personal family conversation. This was not a Sunday school lesson reserved for the little kids or a song that they would recite. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Not hateful, not angry, not yelling and screaming, how how dare you, why would you do that? But to teach them to your children. And talk of them, When you're sitting in thine house, there it is. And when you get up and take a walk, and when you lay down to go to sleep, and in the morning when you get back up again, there's never an inappropriate time to teach the word of the Lord. Every day. Do you know how the Jewish people have sustained themselves when they didn't have schools and they didn't have written material and there were no Torahs and there were no, no places of worship? They were teaching their children. It was the oral law over and over. And when they were put in the ghettos in Germany and in Poland and when they were brought to concentration camps, they were reciting the Torah. They were still doing as much as they could in the worship. And when they escaped to the woods or wherever they could... They would hold their sacred moments. They they made sure they recited them over and over and their children knew them over and over. And when the when the elders were killed and they were sent away to to camps and then they were and they were put in gas chambers there was a whole host of children that knew thousands and thousands and thousands that knew the law they knew why because their grandfathers and their mothers and their aunts and their uncles and every elder man and every elder woman taught that over and over again because moses said when you go to your house and you sit down you talk about it and when you when you get up and take a walk you talk about the t- Ten Commandments, and when you lie down on your bed, you recite and rub their little heads and rub their back, and say, "There's only one God, and we're going to serve that God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." When you when you get up in the morning, you say to your you say to your children, "I want to I want to remind you about the Red Sea." Even on every Passover night, even fathers still to this very day say to their children, "What makes this night different from every other night in the year?" And they will recite because this is the night that Moses. the people out of Egypt it's the Passover night and what are we saying what do you say what are your words what are you telling your children you're you're telling maybe not in so many words but the Pentecostal church is saying we got to go to church because they're going to tell us how to live we're in trouble we're in trouble we're in trouble don't wait till your, your young person gets into the youth group. Start talking to them about having a walk with God. Don't wait until they're 10, 11 years old before you, te- you show them how to worship. Don't wait for someone else to show them how to worship. But if that's your grandson, you get up and you worship God. Because if you don't worship God, I'm going to tell you, they won't know how to do it. And don't, years, I'm, 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 I just stepped over into the pastorship here. Don't come to me later and say, I don't know what happened to my kids. I'll tell you what happened. You happened inactivity, didn't love God, didn't didn't serve the Lord, always wanted someone else to worship, waiting for someone else to sacrifice. You get involved and if you don't have children, just know you're like all those elder Jewish men and Jewish women. You have a responsibility to pray and worship God because whether they are your children or not, this is the family of God and we've got to magnify him and give our best to God. Don't wait for someone else to do it. It's your house. It's your church. It's your God. It's your religion. I want to say to you, I'm thankful for my parents, but I'm not living my parents' religion. I'm living my own religion. I'm I'm thankful for their experience, but I cannot live on their experience. I was never a Methodist boy. My father was a Methodist boy. I was never a Methodist boy. I did not have a daddy who was an atheist. I did not have a father who was an alcoholic and a grandmother that was a chain smoker. That was my dad. I did not go to church by myself, so I cannot live out his experience. I gotta live out my experience. This can't be my daddy's religion. This can't be my grandmother's religion. This can't be my great grandfather's religion. This has gotta be mine. It's gotta be my faith. My faith. I gotta know these commandments, I gotta, I gotta eat them, I gotta talk about them, I gotta look at them. They challenge me. Covetousness, it challenges me. Am I the only one? Covetousness. You look and you want. It's the whole advertisement world. It's all the advertisements. I don't know how many things I have that I that I wouldn't have had except I saw it advertised somewhere. I walked into the store, and that was the first thing, it looked wonderful. It was hanging on the mannequin. And the mannequin looked good. He was a chiseled guy. He was tall and muscles. I mean, it's plastic, rubber, but man, the shirt looked good. I didn't, I bought it because I want to look like that guy. <laughs> I wonder how much stuff we have that we don't want, we don't use. But we saw it, we thought, hmm, that, that, I like that, I want that. And in fact, we saw someone else have it. And we coveted what they had. I'll tell you what, you start living by the Ten Commandments, it'd probably shut down the whole American economy. Uh-oh. You start, start living according to Scripture, you'd have a lot more money and a lot less debt. There's a reason why these Ten, Ten Commandments, they're not just to constrain you from having a good time. They're to help you and keep you in perfect peace. Because there's nobody that has stress like the person who's over their head in debt. I know marriages that have, that have split up because people are in debt. I know homes that are wrecked because people have spent more than they've ever made. I know people that are never satisfied because they started this appetite. They thought, I'm going to give something. And when they get it, this is, this is study. This is medical. When they get it, there's a natural endorphin that's released. It's a temporary high. It's like a drug. All of a sudden, we're looking around what everyone else has and we're coveting. And it's costing us. I'll even talk about ministries because people have coveted different ministries. I want to be that. No, you don't. No, you don't. If I could just get there, I'd... No. no you, you wear the armor that the Lord gave you. Don't try to put on someone else's armor. It will never fit. God gave you a slingshot. That's good enough. Exercise that thing. God gave you a sword, exercise that thing. The most damaging thing I've seen in our in our movement is people in the wrong place. I know I know several men who've been called to the ministry by their mothers. I won't name them, but their mamas know. I know several men who were called into the ministry by their wives because the wife wanted that what she thought was a prestigious position. Oh, what a wreck. What a mess. I'm just going to tell you, you ought to thank God what you have and learn how to be content with whatever state you find yourself in. And get back to the commandments and say, I'm going to live in the borders and the boundaries that the Lord has made. You share them, ladies and gentlemen. You share. You talk of them. You talk about it. You talk about moral fidelity. I found you. (laughs) I found you, (laughs) Timmy. Don't be moving around like that. I can't find you. (laughs) Talk you talk about spouse, husband and wife. You talk about it. I need to talk about it. Because divorce is an ugly thing. It's hard. It rips families apart. Adultery is an ugly thing. It's in the word. Now the world, even though they'll tell you it's okay, they know it's not. They they know it's not. Because inside of you, you know. That's why I say, if you're married, you work on that. We, We work on our marriage. You, 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 if, you're, if you have a job, just one job, you work with your husband and your wife, stay true. Stay true, stay together. You don't separate. You, you, don't, you, you, you don't split apart. Because there's nothing that will destroy a church like adultery. You Just let someone have an affair in this house. That'll mess up everything in the house. Why? Because we didn't listen to the Ten Commandments. We didn't read the Ten Commandments. Now, to have an affair, to have a, you know, I'm surprised at the word affair. Because the, the word affair is it's actually taken from a wonderful, pleasant word. But we, we applied that many years ago to, uh, to a sinful act. It's a, it's a small satisfaction of the flesh that results in great devastation of the family and of the church and of the church body. And before you think that your little extramarital affair won't hurt anybody, it'll hurt many people. So you stay true to your husband or your wife and you love them and you care for them and you work on your marriage. Amen. And I'm not done with that. I'm not moving on from that. Because our marriages are in this house are critical. If you're single, and you're not married, well, you might can praise the Lord. Maybe. Paul said, I wish you were all like me. But because you can't control yourself, go get married. <laughs> all right, I got, I got you. Okay. So w- watch, watch it. But if, but if you are married, pray that God would strengthen that. Because the strength of our church is really found in the marriages of our church. I'm not trying to belittle any single people here or, or widows or widowers. I'm not, I'm, 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 I love you, but I want you to know we, we need good, solid homes with, with, with upstanding, pure marriages that, that don't have all the infidelity in them. You know, it's, it's, it's important that no, no one's talking about it today because we've got, we've got so many pulpits that have, that have committed such sexual sins and then they do a little repenting thing and they're scattered all through our, our, our counties here. Men that have had multiple affairs on their spouses and all kinds of sexual improprieties and then after a year they get back up and start preaching. I don't even know. I don't even know how could they preach all the Bible. There's segments of the Bible they cannot preach lest they condemn themselves and they be a hypocrite or by, or by virtue of, of qualifying themselves before every one of those sermons, they've got to say, I didn't do this. So these are the commandments of God. You can argue with me if you want, but they're gods. Many people have argued the Bible with me and I, and I, and I, I, I was foolish early on when I tried to, well, this is what, 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 no, you're arguing with God. God wrote it. God ordained it. God is the author of it. He authored it. He decided it. I don't know why, but he decided it. Amen. I don't even know if I did justice to this first lesson. There's, there's other readings. Go read, read the other stuff. I think there's things in there. Sister Shock wrote this. It's beautiful. And, and I've gone too long. Please stand now.